Blog Talk Radio. I just hear a beep. Not sure if you can hear me, but I just heard a beep before. I can't hear anything else. I have to take silence. Oh, I'm just waiting to hear hear from you. Once you hear you, then I'll say then I'll respond. Right now I have uh, dead silence, no music, no nothing. Chris? I'm here. Oh, there we go. Love love it, love it, love it. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Good, good day to you. Sure. This will be the obligatory yeah. show intro music. <laughs> 
Okay, token intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Vegas Talkie Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We're going to do a Stanley preview edition on this Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and taking time out of your holiday weekend to listen to a little, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit of hockey talk. Remember, if you see a vet, thank a vet this weekend. They've they've put everything on the line for us, and the least we can do is give them a give them a handshake and a thank you. So, uh, personal thanks to all the vets out there, from me and Chris to all of you listening. We appreciate your service. Absolutely, yep. Uh, there's a lot of people in this country who have made the ultimate sacrifice, and and also you know the the ones who. Uh, came back home because uh it was definitely a price to pay uh uh yeah they're they're not experience. done with their service yeah so, yeah that's see it. a vet think of that real simple yeah absolutely so, let's so, get to bruins, uh some uh, hockey talk yeah bruins blues yep. sir yeah everyone had that one right i uh, had the blues sort of go back to the uh, everyone, to the playoff preview show we did i had the blues as my dark horse to come out of the west and then Picked him in every round, so um, I was half right. I didn't have the Bruins making it to the final, but I did have St. Louis in there as a dark horse. And I know this is a tough, tough podcast for you to do because you're still very broken up about the Sharks uh, going home. So I, I, I know you, you, you're a little wounded uh, in terms of uh, doing the show, but uh, we appreciate you know you, uh, you, you know you sucking it up, baby, sucking, sucking it up. up. <laughs> All right, so let's jump. Let's jump in. I'm going to do the Bruins, where the Bruins are at, and you're going to do where the Blues are at. So, obviously, the you know, the Bruins had, you know, two tough series, first with Toronto, then with Columbus. Uh, Carolina had a couple tough games, but as all things go, I thought that was going to be a much more difficult um, series. Uh, they wind up sweeping them. So, I mean, what we've seen from the Bruins so far in the first three rounds is, there, if you if you go to their stat page for the playoffs, you can, you will see that they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. Uh, you know they have let's see they have six guys who have at least uh, that are double digits in points. You know you know Marchant leads the way with 18 points and seven goals. Pasternak has 15. Then you got Krejci, you got Bergeron. Charlie Coyle quietly, uh, not quietly, but has had a terrific playoffs, six goals, 12 points, Krug with a bunch of assists. But then you have a, the next group where you have a bunch of other guys, you know, not producing on, on the same level, but like Johansson, nine points, Hennon, seven points, DeBrusque, seven points. And actually you might think DeBrusque would, would have more than that. McAvoy, seven points. So, you, you know, uh, their fourth line, has chipped in uh, with offense, and so they they are getting they're getting a lot of contributions. And usually, when you point to a team that wins the Stanley Cup, that's a theme. Uh, or you get it from guys like last year. You think of Washington, Devonte Smith, Pelly, the playoffs that he had as an example. So the, the Bruins are getting that. Um, their power play has been a weapon. I mean, plain and simple. They're operating at 34 percent, which is a ridiculous number. 
Uh, and they're doing a good job of killing penalties. They're at 86.3%. So the special teams have been extremely strong. That's also a good formula. And then Tukarask, uh, especially in the second half of the playoffs, has been, you know, ridiculous. I mean, his overall numbers, 184, 942 save percentage. But he, he's playing at a very, very high level. Uh, injuries, you know, Kevin Miller is out. Chris Wagner's out. Chara has got some kind of day-to-day, but the word is he'll be – he should be ready for game one. I think I saw – was it Krejci had an illness, but he should be okay for game one. Marshawn had a scare in practice this week or in the scrimmage this week, but he's supposedly fine. The only negative I can say about where the Bruins are at is they they beat the Hurricanes – a week ago from this past Thursday. So game one is Monday night. That's going to be 10 days of not, not, you know, not uh, having a game. And I know they had some tough series, and I know they played a lot of hockey because they jumped basically from one series to the next to the next. So those three rounds, they really didn't have a lot of time in between each round. So rest was probably a good thing, but this is a lot of rest. And I'm not I'm not saying they're the same situation or that they're even the same team. But just to give you give you know where that can jump out, uh, my Islanders uh, round one played played great, uh, swept the Penguins. I think they had either nine or ten days off. It might have been nine. And granted, they lost those first three games against Carolina by inches, and easily things could have been different in terms of being a long series, at least. But they got swept. Then Carolina, who basically who went basically from beating the Capitals in Game Seven right into the Islander series, played a team that had a long layoff, and swept them. Then then Carolina had a week off because they, they were waiting for the winner of the Bruins-Columbus, and the Bruins prevailed in that series in six games, and the Bruins basically went from that series to Carolina, and then Carolina got swept. So I'm not saying the Bruins are going to get swept in the Stanley Cup Finals, but it is, a, it is something to keep an eye on. It's ten days is too much. I think where the Blues are at with five days, I think that's kind of a perfect number. Uh, so that is something to watch out for, best, and also to watch out for in Game One, and maybe the Blues can take take advantage of that. But uh, you know, the Bruins, uh, based on the laundry list I just gave there, they're going to be a handful. Yeah, no question about it. I will go back go back to uh, the first round. St. Louis beats Winnipeg in six. Then the yep. second round, they they beat Dallas double overtime game seven, and then yeah. a, a tough a tough series uh, against the Sharks, although they did take three in a row, outscoring them twelve to two, I believe, in the last three games since the uh, not a hand pass. Um, what a response, game. by the way. Yeah, I, I, and I got to give credit, and, and I will say that the the Golden Knights because it was an elimination game, but they let a lot more of their frustration in the. Uh, not a major call, uh, show through publicly. And you got, you got to credit Barube. Um, after the game, he said, that's over. We're moving on. We're not talking about it. And his players fell right into line. 
They did not let it affect them the rest of the way, and they won the next three games. So, so very, you know, follow the leader there with with Coach Berube. Um Won the last two games easily too. Yeah, yeah, not not a problem, not a problem. They they put that in their rearview mirror, and they did not allow it to affect them the rest of the way, and and came out with a, a four two series victory. Um, the interesting thing about the St. Louis Blues in these playoffs, and it does go back to the regular season, is that they're seven and two on the road, and as as you said, teams that get scoring depth, that's usually a pretty good recipe to win the Stanley Cup. Another good recipe to win the Stanley Cup is win your road games, and yep. you go th- go through the first three rounds in your seven and two on the road. Um, they've only won twelve games, right? Three rounds, four wins, twelve. I, even I can yep. do that math. Seven of those wins are they have more road wins in this playoffs run than they have home wins. So combine that with the the layoff, and and I use that stat about. You, they went in and swept and got swept and the Islanders and then Carolina. Then, you know what I mean? I used that this week talking to a few guys about this series. And I, I think the, the rest is a valid point. And, and now St. Louis will have five days off, I believe, um, yeah, before days. the game. And Which is probably – that's, that's a pretty good – that's a good number. Yeah, yeah. It's not – I don't think enough time to be rest or to be rushed. I think it's enough time to right. be rest. Um, yes. so if, if Boston does have a, a, a little rust from that layoff, given St. Louis's, uh, road playoff record here, they, they have a, I think a real good chance to go in in game one and, and take home ice advantage from Boston and, you know, create a series. Now you, you were talking about the scoring depths for the Bruins Obviously, Jaden Schwartz is leading the way goal-scoring-wise and would probably be their Conn Smythe winner if they go on and win the Stanley Cup. But they've got, you know, they've got eight guys over double digits in points and uh, another seven players with more than five. So uh, the goal-scoring load has been heavy on the top, but distributing the puck and, and creating plays has been distributed pretty well throughout the lineup and, and down through the defense core too. Uh, Edmondson with seven assists, Bowmeister with five, Peter Angelo, 13 points. So they're, they're getting contributions from defense. And I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Boston's defense. That's very deep and very good, but I think there might be some o- overlooking of, of the uh, St. Louis blues defense and their ability to not only, not only shut things down, in front of Bennington, but, but to contribute on the offensive end as well. And we saw also at the end of the last series against the shark, Tarasenko and uh, Braden Shin found the back of the net and they'd been struggling through the first two rounds with that. And I think if those two guys can get their, their goal scoring touch heading into the final, um, I I don't think anything's going to compete with, with Marshawn, Pasternak and Bergeron as far as a line goes and their ability to contribute on the power play. But if they can get those two guys going and finding the back of the net, I think this will be a tougher series for the Bruins than what a lot of people are thinking, sir. Oh, I would think that most people think this would be a close, I don't know what, I don't know what the odds makers have said, 
Uh, minus 150. Boston Bruins minus 155 okay, now. So that's, actually. Uh, that's a comfortable favorite. Favorite, right? Comfortable. That's a good word. Um, yeah, I mean, and let's. Uh, Tyrell Bozak's been a good player for St. Louis. Two-way game. He's got five goals, ten points. I think a huge key, and I mentioned in the Bruins segment of how much their power play has been a weapon, and the Blues are killing penalties at a 78-point-something something clip, which is okay, not great. Um, I think that's going to be a very – that is going to be a very big factor in this series. How well do the Blues uh, kill penalties? How many penalties – how many opportunities they give uh, Boston – the lim- yeah, they need to limit that, and then how how much can they kill uh, uh, the Boston power play? I think that's going to be a, a very very big factor. He always is, but obviously with with how deadly the Bruins' uh, power play is, uh, that's that is a big factor. I mean, I think the I mean, yeah, the you know, look, I I, I real I'm rooting for the Blues. It's not an anti-Bruin thing, although I am sick of Boston winning every single championship, so maybe there's a little <laughs> bit of that. Uh, but um, I really love to see – I mean, this is a franchise that's been around for over 50 years, the Blues. Haven't won, haven't won a cup. Uh, they got there early on. It's been a long time since, the, you know. Um, I, I would – my heart is pulling for them, uh, and I think they're capable, and I expect a very long series, but – and I think they can win a game seven on the road, too, by the way, which I think is an important factor based on how they play yeah. and how good they've been on the road. Not just like you said in the playoffs, but the, the whole season. But it's hard for me to, to pick against the Bruins in this series. I could see it. I could see St. Louis winning it. But if I was, uh, you know, to make a prediction, on, uh, I'd, I probably would take, I would take the Bruins in a, in a long series. Well, I'll tell you what, there's one guy out there who's really hoping on, on the St. Louis Blues to win. His name is Scott Berry, and since we brought the betting angle up, um, he he has a $400 bet on the St. Louis Blues he made at the Paris Hotel and Casino here in Las Vegas. 250 to 1 in early January when the wow. last place in the National Hockey League. So he said he went to the bank. He is $500 max on his ATM card. So he, he put 100 bucks on St. Louis Cardinals at 15 to 1 to win the series, put $400 on the St. Louis Blues to win. And if they do, that ticket cashes at $100,000. Wow. How do you like those apples? That part, and he's already. Well, there's an app called PropSwap where you could post, post your app or post your ticket. And if somebody wants to take the chance uh, and offer you money for your ticket, you have guaranteed money in your pocket. Oh. So he's already turned see, turned down forty thousand dollar offer for oh his ticket. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> see, I wouldn't do that. I, I, I think I'd that. take the forty and run. That's uh, yeah, I, I would. The nice yeah, return on four hundred bucks, sir. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm not a. I mean. These things, you know, there. There's too many horror stories of uh, people losing or uh, yes, going the sir. other way. Uh, like I said, they are the underdog in the series. I don't know if I would say. I don't know if I would say they're minus. In my mind, I don't know if I would say one minus 155. In my mind, I know that's what 
the odds makers have said, and they clearly know when it comes to that stuff more than I. I feel like Boston's more of a seven to five favorite. I don't know what that computes to, but you know, something like a you know a little bit less. It's pretty uh, close. So is it okay? Well, then it's just how much I know. But I I, <laughs> I, I, I think like I said, I think the I think the Blues are are dangerous, and I think that layoff. Live dog. And I guess, Live dog, they say, that, sir. Yeah, I, I think that layoff is is is. Uh, now again, I don't want to overplay it because just because that happened to the Islanders and just because that happened to Carolina, you know, the Bruins aren't those teams. And uh, now, you know, you know, there's an extra round involved as well. So I'm sure the rest did them some good. I think it did, ten days is too much, though. So who knows? I mean, that's the beauty of sports is they can come out and play like gangbusters in game one and uh, and show no no ill effects at all. I would think that there would be some. Uh, that I mean, most hockey people would tell you that. Um, but uh, so what do you? So where do you? I know you. You uh, you are high on the Blues. Um, where do you fall uh, in terms of making a prediction? Well, for the record, I'm taking the Blues in in seven, okay. winning 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 Game Seven in in Boston. Um, it, oddly enough, the last time St. Louis made the uh, made the Stanley cup final, it was against the Boston Bruins. And that resulted right, in, right. in probably the most iconic single photograph in the history of the national That's hockey right. league with the Bobby Orgel, um, overtime game winner. So I'm saying just desserts, uh, all these years later, uh, St. Louis blues in overtime in Boston, oh, payback, payback great. for the Bobby Orgel, And, um, that, so, I, I will say, though, for the record as well, it's tough to back a rookie goaltender in the Stanley Cup Finals. I know he's Bennington's been terrific throughout the playoffs and, and since he came up in January. But, I mean, the kid has, has shown that he's the stage hasn't been too big for him. He lost his, he lost his cool a little bit in the Dallas series maybe. Um, but this is a whole other level right here. And I, I – the I think if it, I mean, if it comes down to it, you have to give the edge to Rask. He's been there, done that. He's having right. a fantastic playoff series. He he's he, the experience on the goaltender side. I mean, Bennington doesn't even have one full season in the national hockey league and he's going up against, you know, the offensive juggernaut first line of the Bruins. And like you said, their depth of scoring. Um, if If I have any, any reservations, it's, um, that's one of the storylines I want to watch is is how the, how Bennington reacts to the pressure, and then you know that could counteract the Bruins' rust factor in Game One if if he comes out in the first ten minutes and and he's a little nervy and he's losing his angles a little bit. Um, if if Boston gets an early goal in Game One, then that could settle them down um, as as far as getting their legs back and and controlling the game from that point on. So the, the first 10 minutes of game one, I think are, are huge actually um, for Bennington's confidence and for, for the Bruins to get their, their sea legs back, if you will. Um, it's my only reservation against the blues. They had seven, two on the road, in the playoffs. That was the, the recipe that the Kings did in 2012 when they opened every series on the road and came home to nothing in all the series that they played. Um, 
winning on the road is 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 the recipe for success and the blues have have proven that they can and will win on the road they don't it doesn't bother them so uh, i'm not worried about them having home ice i think they can get it in game one so i'm for the record uh, since you know i i gotta stick with them i've been riding them the whole way um uh, obviously i would have had vegas in the in the final but the St. Louis was my dark horse, and once once Vegas was eliminated, then I had St. Louis in every round. So I'm going to stick with St. Louis, but it's with reservation, sir. Yeah, I will probably say, like I said, I pick Boston in a long series. Just I'll say Boston in seven, but uh, obviously because it gets to that point. I mean, to me, it's anyone. It's anything anyone can happen. So anything can happen. So. Uh, all right, so before we, we sign off, uh, let's hit – there was quite a bit of uh, business around the league this week. Um, uh, big, uh, one of the bigger names off the free agent board, Brock Nelson, resigns with the Islanders. Uh, everyone had him ranked as the number two center in free agency, unrestricted free agency for July 1st. Uh, six years, six million. Probably would have gotten a touch more on the open market Good move by the Isles. Uh, they desperately, uh, you know, this is something that Lou needed to do. He needs to keep his own guys and then add some offense. So uh, there was an article in, in the papers out here this week where after Nelson signed and during the negotiations, Lou was telling Nelson that, you know, our plan is to win now. So that got Brock kind of fired up, which everyone kind of knew. But, you know, Lou is uh, – going to steer these moves towards uh, uh, you know the Islanders uh, taking another step if you will uh, next season and uh, also on Reddit this week someone had a photo of Barry Trotz and Captain Anders Lee uh, within the last day or two having a cup of coffee uh, on Long Island so uh, I think that's going to be the next domino to fall and I think Leonard will, will fall as well and then uh, We'll see what happens. but uh, uh, And I think it's good news for Matt Duchesne, by the way, indirectly, because now everyone uh, – I think you could, t- you could take the Islanders out of the Matt Duchesne derby, by the way. You're not going to pay Brock Nelson that con- uh, six years at $6 million and then have him be a third-line center and pay a third-line center for that or move him to wing. That makes no sense to me. So I, I the Islanders haven't made any statements, obviously, but – and then you could take them out of the Matt Duchesne Derby. That ups the stakes. So if you're in the Derby for Matt Duchesne, if you're Montreal and you really want a center and you say, okay, let's go, go let's go as hard as we can for Duchesne, the fullback plan will be Nelson. Well, now that fullback plan is gone. Kevin Hayes is probably this, the second-best center on the market. And while he brings some talent and offensibility, he is a guy who's not the best of two-way players, and he's a little inconsistent. So, um, yeah, so I think Duchesne, because of that, I think Duchesne could even get a better bang for his uh, free agent buck come July 1st uh, with Nelson off the boards now. Yeah, definitely being the number one center out there. um, uh, with you know supply and demand economics states that if you, if you're if you have something that uh, nobody else is offering then you can set a higher price and I wouldn't be surprised if that takes Duchesne I mean is ten out of the question? Nah, ten I, seems I, heavy. I, I wouldn't be. Ten wouldn't seems be heavy, but 
if, if someone wants a center that, I mean, that bad, that point, he's, he's going to be the best available. At that point, you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. At a certain point, <laughs> like, you know, you can rationalize. Like, let's say, uh, I think when we had Mark Schiger on uh, within the last couple of weeks, and he thought, but now keep in mind, Columbus can offer him the eighth year, which none of these other teams currently can do unless Columbus trades his rights. So they, he was talking about eight years at $9 million. So that's because they can go the extra year. So that's $72 million. All these other teams can go seven years. So to counteract that, they can give him, you know, seven at a little over $10 million. I mean, what is the difference between nine, nine and a half, ten, ten and a quarter? You know what I mean? You're already dirty. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you're already in the pool. So I yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And if someone wanted him, let's say Montreal wanted him really bad. Like, we want to get him. You know what? Maybe they go to 11. You know, you look at the recent wow. contracts, right? Tavares, Dowdy, uh, even the restricted young guys like Matthews, he got 11. 11 <laughs> seems to be kind of like that magic number, if you will. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if someone wanted him so bad that they rationalize it and say, look, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams – going for him. Obviously, Columbus desperately wants to re-sign him. Nashville desperately needs to improve their top six. He seems like a great fit. Montreal's been talking about getting a center for a while. They're trying to take the next step. They're going to be, and that's just, you know, a couple things that we know of. Um, um, So, those three for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, if he went as high as 11. It wouldn't shock me. Not saying it's the right move, but it wouldn't, um, Shockman and the other tidbit that's been now. This is more of, I wouldn't say that we're not at the fire stage, but there's a there's definitely a lot of smoke, and that is uh, it seems like the Minnesota Wild and the Pittsburgh Penguins are talking about a very big deal, and um, it seems like Jason Zucker would go to Pittsburgh, Kessel would go to Minnesota. There's been talk that Jack Johnson, who was kind of scratched a lot in the playoffs would go the other way to Minnesota and, and Victor Rask, who was traded midseason for Nito Niederreiter, didn't really play great in uh, Minnesota. Now, it's it only half a season, and he was traded in season, but there's talk that Rask would go the other way. That would be an interesting uh, interesting deal. Uh, Zucker was one of the names on the trade rumor list for this offseason. So was Kessel. So um, I thought Minnesota would trade Zucker for uh, some young, for younger talent. Like, if you look at it, they traded uh, Grandland in Nashville. They got Kevin Fiala. So they got younger, and they cleared up some cap space. Then you look at the, uh, the Charlie Coyle move. They traded him for, uh, for, the, for, the, the, for the young forward whose name is escaping me. But, again, the theme of those two moves was let's get younger, younger talent, get a little more flexible against the cap, with guys who are going to be free agents in a year or two. Now, Zucker signed for more than that, uh, but I thought they would kind of follow that trend. Obviously, you know, uh, and, and Kessel is, what, 31, 32 in that range? So, so it would yep. be a, kind of an interesting deal. So uh, uh, we'll see. It's not a done deal, but it's out there. A lot no, of I'm, looking, I'm looking right now, and in like the last 20 minutes, word is leaking that Kessel blocked that trade. Oh, is that right? Yep, and that wow. Arizona has a framework in place with Pittsburgh, and 
ownership is yet to tell uh, Shakaya to pull the trigger on the trade, but the rumors now is that Kessel would accept a trade to Arizona, but that he blocked really? that trade to Minnesota. Where's Kessel? So that's, that's, that's within the last. That's within the last half an hour coming through on Twitter. Where's Kissel from again? I don't know that. Oh, let me look it up. Um, really? I mean, I'm not yep. trying to put on Arizona, but I'm I, I'm a little surprised that I don't want to go to Minnesota. And he, no, I know Arizona's got a young team, and they could use scoring, and um, uh, it could be a good fit for them. I don't know what the pieces are going the other way. Obviously, probably you know some of those young players or whatnot, but um, Phil Phil uh, Castle's from Wisconsin. So, I mean, you would think, like, going to play in Minnesota for a Wisconsin kid would be something they want to do. Maybe he's just tired of cold weather and he needs to come down here into the southwest for a change. I don't know. And you know what Arizona has that Minnesota doesn't, right? Sunshine? (laughs) No state income tax, right? Um, I don't know if Arizona. Oh no! Wait, no, no. Am I getting confused? Arizona has uh, state income tax, right? Yeah, I believe uh, Texas and uh, yeah, Florida yeah, and Vegas. I know for sure. Yeah, Nevada. Right. Yeah, I think I'm getting confused. Okay, take scratch that. Um, that back, would be back. interesting. Yeah. That would be, but I, it sounds like Zucker is a guy who, and I like Zucker. Now I don't so know I. if Zucker is the. I don't know if Zucker is the guy who. What did he have? Thirty goals. Two years ago, he kind of came back a little back, bit yeah. this year. But I, I do like him. I think he's got a good all-around game. He's feisty. Uh, you know, I, I would love – I would be I would be on board if the Islanders could land him. I, he, he's been a guy that – now, again, I think you got to look at it. I think you have to look at him as more of a 20-goal guy, and then if you get more than that, that's great. I don't know – I asking, you know, it's trading for him saying, oh, we got a 30-goal guy because he did it two years ago, uh, you know, but uh, could be back to the drawing board there. Uh, that's that's a little – wow, that's interesting. That's something we'll have to keep an eye on is Mr. Kessel. And then um, off the – then we had three big moves here in terms of running teams, if you will. So, John Davidson – Well, real, real quick, real quick, oh, Chris, yeah, on, on, the, on the free agents. Um, we talked with Richardson last week from Spectres Hockey about the Eric Carlson situation. Yep. And Eric Carlson tweeted out what almost could be read into as being a goodbye and thanks for the memories tweet to the fans of San right. Jose. Is yeah, I'm sure you saw the tweet. Um, do you read into that that he's going to go ahead and test the free agent market now? Yeah, I think he will test it. I don't. I don't think San Jose is going to be in a position where they can offer with their current cap. Um, uh, with who they have signed, they have to sign Meyer. They have to sign Pavelski there. They have to sign um, LeBlanc, I believe. Thornton. Uh, I don't think that. If they yeah, bring Thornton back. Yeah. Right. I, I. And quite honestly, I think. Well, Carlson was really good for them. He just he was too injured uh, at times. And yeah. And I think at the end of the day, when you go back and look at that trade, uh, they're going to wind up paying a very hefty price. Uh, we'll see what Ottawa does with those draft picks. Uh, we'll see what they do with the kid um, Josh Norris. If memory comes to mo- uh, memory is correct, who was uh, the top prospect they got in that deal. 
um, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, I do. Uh, I wouldn't. I would be a really leery. I wouldn't be leery about playing Eric Carlson a lot annually. It's about term. And if anybody yeah. out there is going to go beyond four years, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, he's been in the league for a few years now, and there's a lot of tread. I mean, he's been used a lot. He, You know, this is a guy who's played a ton of minutes. And, um, look, he can come back and be healthy and whatnot. Um I'm not saying he can't be over the next two, three years. But more than three years, and it's going to take more than three years to get him to a contract because someone will give it to him. Yeah. That's uh, – I think the team that does that, they're going to they're gonna feel pain uh, in those those other years. So uh, it will be interesting yeah, I think to see. Yeah, I think he's going to free agency too, sir. I agree with that. I think um, – I, I, But I don't know, know he, he where all... he would wait, where he'll wind uh. up. It's tough now, right? Because the teams that were really hungry for him have moved on. Right, right. I mean, yeah. No, they, they, they I mean, Dallas was, you know, and uh, I don't know what Dallas is with Derek. Vegas put that money no, in the box I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, they yeah, Vegas. That's not going to happen. Yeah, Tampa doesn't have the space. Uh, it would, it would be, you know, teams like the Rangers. Uh, you know, it would be. Uh, you know, maybe an, maybe a team like Vancouver, who's trying to take the next step and have some good young talent, and you get a leader there. And um, uh, so I think it'll be a different list of teams. I don't yeah, think I it's agree. going to be one of these, one of the big contending teams right now. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where um, uh, where that lands. That is a good point. Um, so John Davidson. Leaves the Blue Jackets, becomes the Ranger president. DJ Smith, who's been uh, one of those hot assistants or hot names to watch in the coaching search, who, by the way, with the name associated, came out of the, the Maple Leaf organization. He was the name associated with the Islanders last year once Lou got the job. And this is before hmm. Trotz was free. That that was the name you were hearing, but Lou waited to see what was going to happen with Trotz, and then. Trotz became free, and then Lou met with Trotz, and they hit it off tremendously, and then Lou got Trotz. Uh, but if, if Lou wasn't able to get Trotz, I think D.J. Smith, who Lou knows from being in Toronto, would have been with the Islander coach last year. So he winds up in Ottawa. And Dave Tippett leaves his consulting Seattle gig and becomes the Edmonton head coach. So – you know, I, I don't mean to sound like the anti-Ranger guy here, and the only and I get it. John Davidson is a New York Ranger. The guy was a tremendous, was a terrific player, had a terrific career, all with the Rangers. He was a broadcaster for them for a long time. Obviously, he left that to, be, to run the first of the Blues for I think like six years, and then went to Columbus for like six years. The only thing I would say is, and I hope this isn't me being a jerky Islander fan. Is and and I'm sure he got the blessing from Columbus because they know this is home for him. <laughs> you know, Columbus, this is a huge off season for them. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot, you know. And you know, bye guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, he's uh, the I first mean, one out the door. I, I mean, I'm just saying, if it was me, okay, and I'm not saying I wouldn't have left. But I would feel awful about it. Part of me would be thrilled to go home and the opportunity and yada, 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 and organization I really care for. 
But I'd be like, gee whiz, you know what? Um, not for nothing, but <laughs> this is a huge time for them, and I'm leaving them. But, uh, you know, so, and it looks like uh, Smith and Tippett are good hires, in my opinion. And we'll be interested to see what Seattle does. Is that now that Tippett is gone, does this kind of, you know, put their, kind of push them to say, hey, look, let's get this GM search really kicking in gear now because we really don't have a hockey guy. They have time. The, the expansion draft isn't for two years, right? So they have plenty of time, but, you know, we're going to start hearing some names, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, in the last month, there, I, you know, according to reports, um, Kelly McCrimmon was their, you know, their first ask on general manager and Dave Tippett being on board as an advisory role, you almost could see the writing on the wall that as it got closer and closer, he certainly would have had a, a, a foot in the front door for the head coach position. And now both of those options have been taken off the table. So it, it will be um, interesting to pay attention to the uh, NHL to Seattle group and see who, who's the next advisor? Who, who's the next guy they bring in, uh, hockey-wise? Um, it. I don't want to overstate the importance of of Tippett leaving, but at, at the same time, that you're you're shaping your franchise when the the very first meet and greet Foley did here in town. Um, I went to, and Maury Craven was every step of the way with the Vegas Golden Knights. And he was a guy that Mr. Foley leaned heavily on. In fact, um, when they were building T-Mobile Arena, Murray Craven went in there and basically tore up the blueprints for the locker rooms and training facilities in the building and redesigned them to NHL standards. Um, So having having a guy like Tippett or a Murray Craven on board early in the process um, could be a big, important role for Seattle. And it'll be interesting to see who they bring in next. Yeah. And you think uh, maybe, I mean, look, let's put it this way. By next spring or so, they're going to want to have a GM and then the GM is going to want to, you know, has to obviously build up the staff and scouts and, you know, um, you know, cause this time next year, they're going to want to be, you know, they'll be a year away and they're going to want to be ready to rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it wouldn't be too soon at that point next spring to keep an eye out off of the, that, not that next June's draft, which obviously they're not participating in, but the June after in two years time. So uh, a guy I like for them who I think I really got posed uh, and really did a good job of building young talent is Hexel. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a name. Uh, that's a name that jumps out to me. I think I heard Ellie yeah, Freeman mention, yeah, that there's like a Wonder Kid in Colorado, I believe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a couple of those kind of guys around the league um, who also will be on that that list as well. So maybe they go that route. Um, although you know, although yeah, that's, that's a little. That's a good. That's a good uh... I like that fit. I like that fit. Well, Chris, the only thing that's scary about that is that never being okay. Go ahead, ahead, finish your point. Uh, I was just going to say, one thing that scares me a little bit is for never, you know, being an expansion team GM has obviously its own uniqueness. 
So giving that role to someone who's never been a GM, even though they're ready to take that step, I mean, that's, you might want to go more the experienced hand there. Right. No, Clearly it worked out well with Vegas, which was me. So, um, all right, what's on tap for next week, sir? Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about the Cup uh, playoffs, obviously, uh, the Stanley Cup finals, obviously. We'll see if what other uh, news and notes are uh, around the league. Uh, we're just three weeks away from our big draft show. We actually only have a couple of shows left this year. I think we got two more shows, and then and then we have the draft, and then we have a show, and then we'll probably do it. We'll definitely do it July first, or and yeah, and then it's. You know, then it's probably that's Off to the September. That's it. Well, all right. So, uh, all right, everybody, have a good Memorial Day out there. We appreciate you taking time to listen to us. Tune in next week, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back with Stanley Cup Playoff Talk. Uh, for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.